today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. out for me. God loves me. Therefore, I lack no good thing. If you look hard enough, you can always find something to complain about that you don't have. But if you will stop long enough to count your blessings and to realize what Paul said is true in Philippians 4:19, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, then you will be able to say like David did, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because I have everything with him. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. When we truly grasp the enormity of what Christ has done for us and what he offers us, it's easy to see we need nothing else. Pastor Gary reminds us today that we have Christ in our hearts. This means the Creator of all resides in us. He is our shepherd, and as such, we shall never want. The good things of this world are mere reflections of His greatness, and the bad will pass away when He returns. Commit your life to serving Him in the matter which He asks of you, and you will live a full life here and an extraordinary life in eternity. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 20 for part two of today's message titled, The Song of a Shepherd, part one-third. The Song of a Shepherd. Most of us don't have the foggiest idea about sheep, and the fact is you will not be able to understand or appreciate Psalm 23 unless you first understand a few things about sheep. So we're going to talk about sheep first before we even dive into Psalm 23, and again, this is going to be a three-week series, so after I get through describing a little bit about sheep, and we'll learn even more as we go through the verses, today we're only going to get through the first couple of verses as well. But... Here you are, friends. (laughs) Sheep. Four things first I want you to understand about sheep. For those of you who are taking notes, first thing is they are senseless. (laughs) I'm trying to be charitable, friends. Let's just be honest, okay? They're dumb. That's what I'm trying to say in a nice way. Sheep are dumb animals. They get lost very easily. And sheep are one of the few animals that have no internal compass, none whatsoever. They have no internal GPS system. So they get lost easily, and when they get lost, they have no idea where they are. And when they have no idea where they are, they have no idea how to get back to where they were. Okay? Unlike any other animal, you put any other animal, you know, away from home, that animal can find its way back home. Not sheep. Sheep have no clue where they are or how to get home. Sheep even have to be led to water and food. They cannot even find water and food on their own. That's how dumb these creatures are. (laughs) Completely senseless. Now, 
because they are so senseless, because they are so clueless, when they get away, when they stray from the rest of the flock, they can't find their way back. This is why, and we'll refer to it a little bit later, Jesus teaches that parable about how if you have 100 sheep and one wanders off, you leave the 99, you go after the one, because the one can't find its way back. And then it talks about how the shepherd will then put the sheep around its neck and, you know, carry the sheep back to the fold because it has strayed and it has wandered. Now, if it happens to recognize its surroundings and not wander, sheep travel in herds and flocks and so they they're always together and they they go wherever the other one goes and they don't move unless the other one moves and when one moves they all move and they don't know why they move just somebody starts to move and then they all move <laughs> and to demonstrate that their cluelessness i've shared this story with you before in, in in times past but several years ago usa today ran this story about sheep in turkey 1500 sheep that ran off a cliff and 1,500 sheep ran off a cliff, and it was because they followed one. One sheep got to the edge of a cliff and looked over and was like, well, it doesn't look that bad. (laughs) And off the sheep went, and 1,500 sheep went with it. And do you know why? Because they missed the (laughs) U-turn. All right, friends, think think about it. That's funny. Come on. E-W-E, U-turn. All right, anyway. Now, here's the truth about that story, though. I'm not making this up. 1,500 sheep go over a cliff, but only, out of 1,500, only 450 died. Can you figure it out? Think about it. The first 450 plunge to their death, but then the rest fall on top of cotton. Not that bad. Where am I? Bah. You're on top of 450 dead friends. So they're senseless creatures, okay? So we have to recognize this. And, and you're, you're going to begin to identify yourself a little bit as we read through this. Have you ever been directionless? And you didn't want to stop and ask for directions? Sheep don't have the little clickers on their keychains where they can find their car in a parking lot. You ever been at the mall and you used your clicker to try to find your car? Where in the world did I park? Let me send off the alarm. We're like sheep. Number two, they are defenseless. They are absolutely defenseless creatures. Bears have sharp claws. Alligators have sharp jaws. Lions have strength and a roar. Some animals, to defend themselves, can change colors. Some can run fast. Some can go underwater. Sheep can't do any of that. Nada. Ever seen a sheep growl? You never will. If they they get cornered because something's about to attack them, what do they do? Uh, That's it. They shiver and bleat. That's all they can do. They've got little tiny hooves and little spindly legs. Their bodies are out of proportion. We'll talk next week about how when they fall down on their backs, they can't get back up. And the other animals in the animal kingdom must look at sheep and think, what a joke. You can't even defend yourselves. You're not ferocious. You have nothing going for you. You're an embarrassment to the rest of the animal kingdom. And as a result, they're extremely vulnerable to predators, namely coyotes and wolves and lions. They're lamb chops waiting to happen. 
And all they can do when danger comes is they, they huddle together. They huddle together. And therefore, sheepdogs are very effective in corralling sheep because sheep perceive sheepdogs as being predators. And so when the sheepdogs come around them, they all huddle together and then they all herd off together. They're senseless. They're defenseless. Number three, they are fearful. And dare I say downright neurotic creatures. They are very easily frightened. Uh, One of the reasons is because they have exceptional hearing. And because they have exceptional hearing, they, they're jittery all the time. And so if they hear anything, they think, they think it's you know, a predator or something disturbing. And so they're always constantly afraid because of their heightened hearing makes them extremely jittery. They have excellent peripheral vision. If you'll notice, a, a sheep, they basically have eyes almost on the side of their heads. But they have terrible depth perception going forward. So they can see with peripheral vision... But because they have poor depth perception, they're always afraid of what's in front of them. So that also contributes to their fearfulness. In addition, I don't know how they've discovered this, but I'm sure there are methods and means. Uh, Sheep can distinguish colors. And they are extremely frightful of unusual colors, particularly yellow. And so if you approach a sheep wearing bright yellow, uh, they will run because they are afraid of bright colors. What's interesting as a sign of their fearfulness is if you ever look at the tracks that sheep leave in the dirt, it's always a zigzag path. Sheep never walk in a straight line. The reason is because they are constantly looking over their shoulder because they're afraid of what, of what is behind them. So they always walk in a zigzag line, never in a straight line. They're fearful creatures. And then number four, uh, they are dirty creatures. I know, you know, the Serta... Mattress commercials have those nice, white, woolly little lambs. And, you know, not so in real life, okay? Sheep are typically dirty animals. They're stinky, dirty animals. And the reason is because their body continually secretes an oil called lanolin. Lanolin is used in salves and ointments that, that we use. And, uh, but as a result of them constantly secreting lanolin, their wool is constantly coated in oil And that becomes a magnet for everything. Everything sticks to their wool. Uh, Debris, sticks, uh, feces, urine, blood. Everything that a sheep comes in contact with ends up stuck to their wool. They are like walking Velcro. Sheep are. But as a result, they, they are pretty dirty animals. Now, with all of that as a backdrop, and we'll learn more things about sheep as we make our way through the 23rd Psalm, but with all of that as a backdrop... Uh, Let's take a look at the first couple of verses uh, this morning in this series, again, that I've entitled The Song of a Shepherd. The Song of a Shepherd. And as we look here at the first part of verse 1, David writes this, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Underline the pronoun my, or highlight it in your Bibles. Please note that the Lord is not just a shepherd, or just one of many shepherds. David says the Lord is my shepherd. This is possessive. This expresses a personal relationship with the shepherd, that we belong to God and that he belongs to us. In the same kind of way that David's son Solomon would write in Solomon 6, Song of Solomon 6, verse 3, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. 
He personalizes this. God takes a personal interest in you. Did you know that? God takes a personal interest in you. The parable that I alluded to earlier in Luke 15, Jesus teaches, you don't need to turn, but I'll read it, just a few verses. And again, he uses this this language about we being like sheep and he's like the great shepherd. And in Luke 15, 3, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let me tell you why that's an important parable. Because if you've ever felt like you're just a number with God, If you've ever felt like you're lost among seven and a half billion people on this planet, and how could God possibly care about me? If you've ever thought that, I want you to hear what Jesus is saying in this parable in Luke 15, because Jesus talks about leaving the 99 and going after the one. And what he's communicating to us is that God, like a shepherd, loves us so much and is so concerned about us individually, uniquely, that he will go to the ends of the earth if necessary to win us over, that he loves us and he knows us and he knit us together in our mother's womb and he knows us by name and every hair on our head and God is infinitely and intimately acquainted with you and because of that, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to see God as your personal shepherd. He is a personal God who loves you and cares about you. That's why in Psalm 100, verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord is God, it is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And so we are uniquely loved by God, and He lovingly cares for us. And therefore, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you know God that way? Mahatma Gandhi once said that God is that indefinable something that we all feel, but which we cannot know. Gandhi was wrong. God is knowable, he is personable, and like a good shepherd, he loves you and will take care of you. That is our Father. That is our shepherd. And the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. He is a personal God. And because of that, the other part of verse 1, David says, I shall not want... Because God is my personal shepherd who is concerned about my personal life, that I'm not just one among 7.5 billion people on the planet that get lost with God, that God knows me specifically, knit me together in my mother's womb, loves me and cares for me, therefore I don't have a want in the world. I don't have a care in the world. When I know that my Father in heaven loves me personally, intimately acquainted with me, then I can confidently say, you know what? If I lose everything else, as long as I have Jesus, I have everything. Can anybody say amen to that? If you don't have another thing, you already have everything through Christ. Because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. What he means is I don't lack anything with God. In Psalm 34.10, David said, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. In Psalm 84, 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. 
God is the giver of every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God cares for us and will provide for us. And David is saying here, I am completely satisfied in God's management of my life. God cares for me. God has provided for me. God looks out for me. God loves me. Therefore, I lack no good thing. If you look hard enough, you can always find something to complain about that you don't have. But if you will stop long enough to count your blessings and to realize what Paul said is true in Philippians 4.19, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, then you will be able to say like David did, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because I have everything with him. God is our supplier of all things. We need to get off the complain train and start praising God for all that we have. We are a blessed people. Amen to that? We are a blessed people. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then he says in verse 2, that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Now note he says here, he makes me lie down. There were certain requirements to make a sheep lie down. Sheep do not lie down on their own. And there are three requirements before sheep will lie down. Number one, hungry sheep never lie down. So they have to be well-fed and watered. And this is exactly what it means here by green pastures and still waters. It indicates that they are well-fed and watered, that their appetite has been satisfied, that their shepherd has been watching out for them such that now they can relax and be content and satisfied in the presence of the shepherd. That the shepherd is the one who makes sure that they are well-fed and taken care of. Hungry sheep do not lie down. So the fact that David says here, the chief shepherd, you, Lord, you make me lie down in green pastures. You leave me beside still waters. It's an indication of satisfaction that we have in the Lord. And then he also adds here, or or rather another reason why sheep do not lie down is that if they're afraid, fearful sheep never lie down. And it's interesting here that it says specifically that he leads me beside the still waters. So here's something else to learn about sheep. Sheep will never drink from running water. They're scared of it. If you lead a sheep to a stream or a, or a brook or a creek or a river, they will not drink from it because they're scared of it. The water's moving, and any movement makes them afraid. They're like, ah, well, should I drink? Ah, well, no, there it goes again. Ah, you know, and so they're all, and I don't, I don't blame the sheep. I mean, think about it. If it's running water and you get near and you're afraid of tripping in, because if you fall in that water with all that wool, let me tell you, friends, if you, if you slip into a, a, a swimming pool wearing 25 sweaters, you're going down too. You're going down faster than Mariah Carey's career. I'm telling you what. But anyhow, oh, oh, I'm sorry. But it's true. If you watched her on New Year's Eve, you know what I'm talking about. But anyhow, so they don't want to get wet because they got on all this wool. They know they're going to drown. So they don't want to be near running water. It scares them. So sheep will only drink out of still water, out of, out of uh, a pond or out of a bucket. David says here, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters because there's no fear with our Lord. He brings peace to my soul and satisfaction to my life. Another reason why sheep will never lie down is if they are distressed and agitated. And one of the things that torments sheep more than anything else 
are flies, specifically nasal flies. They crawl up the sheep's nose and burrow and lay larvae, and it is so tormenting to sheep that they will often ram their heads against trees to try to get some relief from the torment of the flies and the larvae in their nasal passages. And they will kill themselves doing that. And so what David is ultimately saying here is that the shepherd creates an environment where you are able to just lie down and be at peace because you're well-fed and taken care of and there's no fear and everything that agitates and the things that distress us, God will deal with in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Green pastures and still waters, it's very picturesque, isn't it? It's the idea of satisfaction and contentment that comes in knowing the good shepherd. And that's why he adds there at the beginning of verse 3, he restores my soul. You know, restoration, the word restoration implies that something is worn out, old, or broken. Some of you like to fix up old cars. You restore old cars. Why do you do that? Because it was old and broken And then you do a restoration project on it, and it's like you bring it back to new life. Some of you like to refinish old furniture. You take antiques, something you found at a flea market, and you restore it, and now it becomes this beautiful piece of furniture because it was originally worn out, broken, discarded, and then you restored it. God is the restorer of our souls, and he takes broken people, worn out from life, and he breathes new life in us, And he gives us a new chance. God is the restorer of souls. And if you know Christ as your Savior, then you know what I'm talking about. Because apart from Christ, you will never find a satisfaction for the deepest longings of your soul. People will go in search of all kinds of things. Trying to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. I'm here to tell you. Those things will only temporarily satisfy And then they will quickly show themselves to be insufficient. The only and true satisfaction to the deepest longing of the human soul is a relationship with your good shepherd. Where Jesus comes and lays down his life for the sins of the world. That you might have your soul restored. That you might take your broken, messed up life and lay it at the feet of Jesus and watch him restore you. Some of you need your soul restored because you're not right with God. Some of you perhaps need a marriage restored because it's strained and broken. Maybe you need a relationship restored. Maybe you're a parent and you are at odds with a child. Maybe you're a child at odds with parents. Whatever it might be, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I'm going to ask the Lord to restore. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, 
visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person, too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know.